Okay, uh, hello. For those of you who I don't know, my name's Jim. Um, as Lucy said, me and my wife Rachel were the senior pastors here. And as Lucy's already mentioned, um, we call something Pie Chart Sunday, which is sort of our affectionate name for a finance update and uh, letting you know a little bit about what the church is doing, how we're doing financially. All of this is, of course, available in our uh, trustees report, um, which Jesse dutifully files on the church's behalf. So you can go and have a little look online. We, we give it to Oscar, the charities regulator. But rather than make you go digging for that sort of thing, we want to share it with you ourselves and be as transparent as we possibly can. And it also means um, that we get to uh, talk a little bit about what we think God has to say about money as well as uh, just telling you some facts and figures, though numbers are, in fact, fun. So I've got a two-parter for you this morning, um, briefly, but the two main things I want to talk about is, firstly, why do we talk about money? And then, secondly, what does God have to say about it? So as briefly as I can. Um... <laughs> why do we talk about money? And being in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis, that might make money an even more sensitive topic than it usually is. But I reckon that these more difficult days are not a reason to avoid talking about money, but all the more reason to talk about how Jesus sees money and how he would have us see it. So I want to get this out of the way. I think it's important I make clear that this whole morning and this talk is not an ask for money. This is not an ask for money. Could this church benefit from more resources to do the work of building God's kingdom in East Fife? Of course, any church that's looking to serve God in its region could, also, could always use more resources if it had them. But is this church in particular need this morning? Have we scheduled this because we're feeling a little bit thin in the pockets? I'm happy to tell you, not especially, no. That is not the position we're in. We are pretty blessed that at the moment we're asking the Lord how he wants us to spend the resources we have rather than looking nervously at our finances and wondering if we'll be able to survive as a ministry. So, not an ask for your money this morning. That is not the point of it. Instead, the point of this talk is to focus on us. It's on us as followers of Jesus, our heart and our priorities rather than focusing on the church's financial needs and looking meaningfully at your wallets. But Jim, you might still say, isn't giving a talk about money amidst the cost of living crisis a terrible idea, especially if the church is not about to close? Well, it would be if we were trying to persuade you to give away money that you can't afford to give. This is not that talk. Don't do that. It would also be awkward for a church to talk about money if that church's attitude to money was more about grabbing it and piling it up than it was about using it to do what we think God is calling us to do. But I'm going to share a few reasons why I think this church, and I'm speaking about all of us here, does a fairly good job of serving the Lord with our resources. As Lucy's just shared, this church's giving towards Storehouse, that's the food bank in the local area, is great. Secondly, Whenever this church, uh, we have shared a project and asked this family to help with it, like, for example, covering the costs of a voluntary pastoral assistant who is giving a, a year to serve the church, and there are some costs associated with taking on an extra person and sending them to conferences and training them. Whenever we've shared something like that, this church family has risen and faithfully given to meet that need. Last year, as I said, we'd committed to taking on a full-time compassion pastor. We budgeted to make a loss that year. We expected to, to spend more money than we received in in order to do that. 
And we specifically hired a compassion pastor full-time in order to serve those who are most in need in our community. And um, jokes aside, Lucy's doing a fantastic job of that. If you want to find out more about it, talk to it. Yes, that's deserved. Absolutely. Trouble with Lucy is telling her to stop working, not telling her to do more. She does fantastically, and she cares an awful lot. Have a chat with her afterwards. Um, and also, it's right to honor and to mention Hannah, who's our voluntary pastoral assistant this year. She's on holiday today, so you can't, well, you can clap her anyway, right? Um, she's given it, yeah, do clap, Hannah. I'll tell you why in a minute, yeah. She gave a year of her life, not just to serve this church and those who this church is trying to serve, but specifically and powerfully, she's given a chunk of that time specifically to uh, the Storehouse Food Bank Ministry and to working alongside Lucy. She's been doing excellent work. So big thanks and well done are due to you, Hannah, when you hear this back on the podcast. Good. Um, other things why I think we're not going to be too awkward talking about money. Every Sunday service, as you'll have just heard, as well as giving our offering, we make sure to say that anyone who is experiencing financial need we want to hear from you because we want to come alongside you. And whether that is praying with you, whether that is pointing you to our food bank and making sure you get a, a reference to make sure you can go and apply there um, and be given food, or whether it's anything else, and there might be, we, we want to find out situation by situation how we can help. Please get in touch. If you're struggling, it's not a hollow offer. We just want to make sure that this church is loving you and supporting you however best fits your situation. And finally, on um, my list of things why I don't think talking about money is too awkward is the trustees meetings, the leaders of this church who govern our finance. Every time we discuss money or budgets in trustees meetings, the discussion is flavored with wisdom. The trustees govern the work of this ministry with a sober responsibility and with faith saying, okay, then Lord, how do you want us to use the resources we have? The leaders of the, the, the purse strings of this church, the trustees, do not have a desire to sit on any resources that this church receives, always to say, what does Jesus want to do with this and to use it? So um, you've clapped a few people. Can I invite you to applaud the trustees who do a really good job of serving this church? Thank you. A lot of that is unseen work, but I can tell you I think it's fantastic. All of which means, in my long defensive list, I, you know, I just don't think we need to feel awkward looking... KV Kids? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all right as well. Um, <laughs> do you know what? We're applauding people. Sorry? The KV, yeah, do you know what? They do, KV Kids do fantastic work as well. Seeing as we're applauding people, let's celebrate them. Why not? KV Kids. Thanks, pal. You know, yes, um, to, <laughs> I, we could, there's a lot of people doing good, lots of good things. I'm going to move on for time, if that's all right. What I mean to say by listing all of those things before you, and, and I joke about it being defensive, but really it's just to lay before you the heart of this church when it comes to money is, uh, I think this church, by which I mean the whole family, including the levels of leadership, are, are pretty good. Do we have room to grow? Certainly. Do we have room to receive uh, more of God's leaning towards being more faithful? Sure. But actually, I don't feel awkward talking in this church family about money because I think as a church, um, I think there's a lot of good stuff we're doing and a lot of good attitude that we have already. So 
Uh, thanks and well done. Applaud yourselves in your heart, but don't tell. Yeah, okay, great. We'll move on. Those are some reasons why we could choose not to talk about money, and I've tried to answer them. Hopefully, those are some answers. But why should we look at the topic of money? What's the point of it? I have three brief reasons for you. One is that this church does need ongoing funding. I'm not coming before you to say, to say we're in an especially uh, big need, but if this church stopped giving, for example, then um, this is the only place we get our funding from, people giving to the work of God in this local church, um, we would stop being able to do it. So it is important to talk about money from a practical point of view. Two more important reasons to follow, I think, is that money is important to God. There are about 600 verses in the Bible that talk about money, when you include you know, wealth and gold and silver. 600 verses, that's quite a lot. God explicitly warns us that money, wealth, is a tricky thing and can so easily compete for God's place in our hearts. He goes further than that, though, and warns us that money can be an idol, a thing that we worship instead of him, a false god. And although humanity has a, an unfortunately creative habit, really, of worshipping all sorts of things instead of God, money seems to be one of the biggies that we keep getting drawn back to. So it's the Bible's biggest, probably, certainly one of the biggest warnings. So money and our attitude towards it matters to God. And the third reason why I think it's good to talk about money is actually money matters to us. It's important to us to have a good understanding of its place in our world. I think that a healthy relationship with God that is free from idols, that distract us from him, means having a healthy, godly view of money as part of that relationship with him. So, all of that part one to say, this is less a talk about money, as it were, than it is a talk about our attitude towards money. So part two, what does God have to say about money then? It's sort of a what we worship message, even if we don't think of it as worship. It's about having a right perspective on the place of money in our lives. Sure, money is a part of the world we live in and a necessary part of the, the world we live in as it's set up at the moment. But the warning is to not let money become the most important part of our worlds. Or as the Apostle Paul put it when he wrote to his trainee Timothy, and if you like to follow along in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Thank you, mate. Would you mind going back and, uh, and we'll leave the first couple of verses on? That's ideal. Thank you. You might recognize a line within here. This has been quoted. In fact, it's been misquoted a lot. Ever heard the phrase, money is the root of all evil? Give me nods if you have. Yeah, beautiful. It's like a mass Churchill dog impression. Anyone remember that advert? No? Just me. That's a reference that died. About a third of you. Okay, good. Money is the root of all evil. Okay, well, 
where does that come from? Let's see what the original says. Ah, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not money. And it's not even those who have money who are criticized in these verses. In fact, if you go back to the beginning of verse 9, we see it's those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. As the prophetic voice of Jesse J once said, it's not about the money, money, money. It's about us. It's about what motivates us. It's about the things that we look towards and put our energies and our time towards. Things that lead us to God, toward a relationship with him, and towards the good things of his kingdom, or towards many foolish and harmful desires that lead us towards all kind of evil or towards ruin and destruction. Just like any other thing that we either want or we respect more than we want or respect God in our lives, some people eager for money or a relationship or fame or control or anything, some people eager for this thing that we hold up as a distraction instead of God have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't think that this sort of talk is about God stopping us living a life to the full. I think of it as a parent lovingly and earnestly warning their young child about a danger. Roads are good. We need them to get around, but we have to be so careful around them. Whenever we're near a road, you hold tight to my hand, okay? I don't want anything to happen to you. So, what is God like then when it comes to the subject of money? I would say, I offer you from the study I've been doing this week looking into this, that God is jealous and generous. Now, as soon as I say jealous, that fires off all sorts of negative connotations for us. Let me put it out. God is not envious of your stuff. He, he owns a bit more than you. God is not envious of your stuff. He wants all of you. Like a wife wants her husband to not have any other women that he cares about in the same way. Like a parent wants a young child to go to them first because they'll keep the child safe in a way that others wouldn't. God isn't jealous of your money because he wants it. He is jealous for you because he wants the hopes and the dreams that we place in money to be hopes and dreams that we place in him instead. And also for the fears that we associate with money to be trust in him instead. God wants a deeper relationship, not a bigger donation. Jesus is jealous for us, not of us. Jesus is jealous for us in that he doesn't want us to be distracted by giving ourselves to something that is not good for us. So that's jealous. I also think God is generous. God is generous because he loves to provide for his children. I've heard some wonderful, miraculous stories of God providing, from the perfect small donation from a friend at the right time stories to the piles of cash kept appearing in my airing cupboard stories and all sorts in between. And what those stories all have in common is God showing a person that he sees them and that he loves them. 
So if God is jealous for us and generous with us, how do I suggest we be in response? What should our thinking, feeling approach to money be? I suggest that if God is jealous for us and generous with us, perhaps we could be faithful to him and generous ourselves. Jealous and generous, faithful and generous. By faithful, I mean to look at money with a perspective of everything I am belongs to God and everything I have belongs to God. Money is just a part of that. And then with that heart, with that attitude, to say, I'm going to listen out to you, Lord. You prompt me. What do you want to do with all of me and what I have? Which means that living in trust with God means if we do hear him say, go and give that struggling friend 100 pounds, that our response is that we're holding more tightly to his hand than we are to our wallets. What about living generously then? Well, I suspect I don't need to tell you much about being generous is a good thing, but I'll say a couple of words. It's living in the values of God's kingdom to live generously. We are called to look after what God has given us wisely, not to be reckless, but we're also called to love people more than we love pounds. In verse 11, ah, brilliant, you're ahead of me. Thank you, my friend. Um, verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, you, man of God, flee from all this love of money and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then in verse 17, Paul goes into a bit more detail on this, um, this attitude and generosity. We read, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for this coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Being generous with what we have is a great way to ensure that our finances can't creep into the idle position in our lives. It's a practical defense against our hearts shifting to be selfish. So I propose that being faithful and generous in our attitude to money is not to say that we don't need things like food and heating and shelter and that they don't matter, but it is about keeping our priorities right when we think about money. It's about keeping us close to Jesus and going to him first in our hopes and dreams and in our needs and not letting any hope or fear prize us away from him. Or as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other necessities will be given to you as well. So, to sum up my wee chunk, God is jealous for us and generous to us. He calls us, I believe, to be faithful to him with our money and generous to those around us because of him. A footnote of an afterthought, because I didn't have quite enough time for this. 
How does living with God in a way that is faithful and generous with our money look in practice here in a church? I think it looks like asking God how he wants us to use what we have, being sensitive to when God asks us to be generous, and I think it includes building in a habit of regular giving to God's work in your local church, whether that's this one or another one. I think this is a biblical habit that I wish I had a wee bit more time to tell you about this morning, but um, I think tithing is, is a God-given, useful discipline for ourselves and for building up the kingdom of God. It's a system that God set up to help us to keep our own finances in godly focus and to provide for his work to go ahead. Just think, if God dumped piles of cash mysteriously into individuals' bank accounts in order to do ministry, just kind of an angelic copy and paste all the time, because I think actually he does do that, but all the time, if that was his normal model, then what would the rest of us be participating in? But actually, if our regular giving is not just a discipline that helps us, but also means that we can afford to, say, hire someone to do compassion work, or hire staff to be able to do what we think God is telling us to and bring in his kingdom in all the different ways, well, then actually, we're all participating. I think God wants to involve each other in this sort of thing a wee bit more than just do it himself. So I think tithing is a God-given and a good thing. Um, and if you have any more questions about it, I would love to talk to you about it as a discipline, not as a grab. Flip an act. Hear that, would you? Um, I think this is helpful for our hearts. Anyway, to close, why don't I paraphrase Paul back in verse 11 and suggest, my friends, that we do our very best to flee from all of this love of money. Thank you. Flee from all of this love of money, the constant draw that it makes on all of us, be that in fear or in hope. And do our very best to say, Lord, help us to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And I suggest in verse 17 that we decide, fantastic work, not to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope and take our fears to the God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment.